0: This morning, as it always is, it's interesting. I'm going to slide this back out of the way before I hit it with my face or something. There, Gary, you can sing after a while. It's been interesting these days. This past year as we think about everything that's been happening around us. And I've been thinking quite a bit um, about the church. You know, we've been through some days that have been you know, I've asked myself, especially over the last year, when everybody was kind of closed down and nobody could get together, and the church wasn't able to to meet together, and all the different ways in which um, it appeared that the church was under attack. Um, not many days go by that you don't hear something on the news of. In Canada, a pastor being arrested because he held a church service. Um, just all kinds of things, and so it's caused me to it's caused me to think about the church and wonder about the church and what's going to happen. And <clears throat> interestingly enough, you know, we I think I'm not alone in in these thoughts. Um, you know, what's what's this going to do to the church? What is all of this going to um, mean for the church? And I even found myself sometimes sinking into the, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Um, I think just everything that's been going on around us can easily pull us down into a, to kind of a a funk, just kind of a, you know, wow. But then I began to ask myself, and that's what I want to talk about this morning what is the church? Who is the church? Why church? How do we do church? All of these questions began to come to my mind. And I read a book recently, just a little book, called What About the Church? just a small little book, but it, 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 it got me to thinking about this idea of church and what it is. And I am pretty sure that most of what I feel like I want to share today is not going to be new news to anybody. It's not going to be it could be could be an epiphany, who knows? But I think most of it is is going to be stuff that we've already know, what we've already heard, what we already believe. But sometimes We just need to be reminded, we just need to remember, Um, we just need to take time and um, look for that hope that is ours. So, if you would this morning, I'm going to be reading out of the book of Acts, chapter 2, again a very familiar scripture. Um, I want to read verses 42 to 47. And I want to spend a few minutes this morning talking about, first of all, what is the church? Why do we have church? And how of church? Pretty simple. It's not real deep. But I think there are, are truths that we need to be reminded of now and then. So I want to begin Acts 2, 42 through 47. This takes place right after... The Apostle Peter had his sermon there on the day of Pentecost. And it says this, it says, "...they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common." They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread together in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, the church, I believe was God's plan from the beginning of time. If we go all the way back to Genesis and we see Adam and Eve and we're reminded in the Scripture that in the evening they would walk and there would be the presence of God with them. It was God's plan to be with His creation. It was God's plan to spend time and be intimate with His creation. But we all kind of know what happened there. We know that sin crept in and, and Adam and Eve were banished from the garden. And there seemed to be this time where uh, people had gone really, really bad. And we all know our Old Testament history pretty well. And so I'm not going to spend today going through all of that. But then again, Abraham and the story of Abraham and God bringing a group of people together. And He brought them together, and and through divine appointments, they end up in Egypt. They're They're brought out of Egypt as a group of people, the Israelites. And there, in the wilderness, God told them to make a temple, a tabernacle, where He would come and He would be in their presence again. It was God's plan to be in the presence of His people to be with them, to always be there with them. And so again, we see in the tabernacle and the wilderness journey and, and all through this, these, those early years, God was in their presence there in the Holy of Holies. He never wanted to be separated from His creation. He never wanted to be apart from His creation. Finally, after many years, a temple was built Solomon built the temple, the first temple there in Jerusalem. And it was there until the coming of Jesus that the people of Israel would gather on the holy days and on all of those times when they would would gather together to bring offerings and do those things to, to honor God. God was there. God was there because He wanted to be with His people. He's always wanted to be with His creation. You see, I believe the church has always been God's plan from the beginning of time. And so, we have to ask ourselves the question, what does that mean for us as the church today? What does that mean about us? What does that say about us as the church today? Well, Jesus made it quite clear To his disciples, and we read about it there in the scripture that we just read, he made it quite clear that he uh, would have to go, he would have to die, be buried and resurrected, and then ascend into heaven. But then he would send his Holy Spirit, which as we know is Christ and God, the triune, the Trinity, into our hearts and to us as individuals. Therefore, God continues His plan to be with and among His people. But now He has taken that a step farther and through His Son, Jesus Christ, has given us the opportunity to carry Him in our hearts and in our lives. So, as I thought about that and I think about that, and again, that's just a quick lesson down to where we are today, um, and, and where the New Testament church began, and we, as we read this morning, we took a look at that, and I want to ask the question, what is the church? What is the church? Is it the building? Is it our programs? Is it all the things that happen? Is it a physical structure? I think I heard somebody say, answered already, no. We, as individuals, are the church. It is we whom God inhabits. It is us as individuals that God inhabits. And we, coming together, are the church. It's the body. And I appreciate Dean's prayer this morning when he prayed that. So we, as the body of Christ, the church, there are certain things we do when we come together. There are practices that we partake in. We, we worship in song. We worship in giving. We worship in just being together in fellowship. And I want us to, to begin to think about not just our own individual spirituality, that is very, very important. God has promised us that He would never leave us or forsake us. But He has also made a way for His power and His glory and His presence to be manifested in the church. That's the body. And when all of these spiritual people come together, there's a power that can be generated, that is generated by God's presence. I think the church is a place of practices. It says in our scripture there that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That was their Bible. That's all they had. The Bible had not come into being yet. But yet, the teaching of the apostles, which were in turn the teachings of Jesus is what they spent their time on. So they spent their time in their word. They spent their time uh, in the apostles' teachings. And then what did they do? They fellowshiped. They spent time together. They partied. They ate together. They enjoyed each other's company. They hung out. They did things. They did things... Because they had a common thread, and that common thread was their faith in Jesus Christ. And that should be the, that's the same with us, isn't it? It should be the same with us. Now, I'm not taking away the importance of personal disciplines as individuals, but we're talking about the church today. We're talking about the church. So why the church? We know that the church is not the building, it's the body. It's a group of people who come together, who, who, who live together, fellowship together, um, share the word together, do all of those things. But why the church? I think the number one reason, for me, I believe, and I believe it's scriptural, is it's a place for the presence of God to move and to work in a, in a corporate setting. He works in each of our lives individually, but he works even more so in our lives together, corporately. It's a social gathering. Here we go. Let me explain myself before you start throwing rocks at me up here. Oftentimes, when we think about social gatherings and those kinds of things, we think about, we don't necessarily connect that. God and His work in this world. You see, redemption of the entire world has always been His desire, ever since the fall. And you can see that down through history, He's done everything He could to be in the midst of His people, and to bring them into relationship with Him, and ultimately giving His Son's life so that He can come and live into us as individuals. But I think that God is a relational God, a social God. I mean, Jesus' first miracle was a wedding, and He turned water into wine. Jesus loved to be in the middle of what was going on. And I believe it's because it's there, and the power of everybody together creates a place where God's presence can be sensed and felt And we might not always think of that in a a social setting. It it sort of has a connotation that goes away, but I don't don't think we should allow those things to take away from the truth. Last night we attended a wedding in Berthon, Colorado. My uh, youngest daughter, uh, Renee, who's home, um, her best friend, we were neighbors two doors down, um, Renee was in the in the wedding, and uh, so we went to this wedding. And I kept thinking about social gatherings and listening and asking God, what what's what what can you do in this place? What can you do while this is going on? The father of the bride prayed a wonderful prayer for his daughter person who did the ceremony talked about building a foundation on God and His love for us. People ate together. They had fun. They enjoyed each other's company. And you would have a hard time convincing me that God was not there. You see, God goes way beyond our preconceived ideas and thoughts of who he is and where he should be and what he should be doing, he's way bigger than that. If he can use the things that he uses to change people's lives, why can't he do it at a wedding? Why can't he do it at a friend's house with a couple families coming together to eat dinner together and fellowshipping together? I think that's why we need the church. And that's why we need the body of believers integrating in those types of situations and in those types of settings. It gives us an opportunity to watch the power of God at work in our lives and in the lives of other people. And this is kind of where I'm heading here today, if you haven't already caught on. How the church... It says that the places that they were gathering there in the Scripture we read, that they were, there was awe and wonder taking place at the miracles that were happening. Do we sometimes downplay the awe and the wondering in our everyday lives and in our fellowship times when in truth it is God at work in people's lives? Maybe not the way we expect it or wish it was. But guess what? Things are different. The world is different. Life is different. We view things differently. It was a place of awe and wonder. And when was the last time we had awe and wonder in our churches? And I'm, I'm asking the same question too. It's a rhetorical question. When was the last time we had that? I think it's the church's responsibility to provide, here goes that word again, social gatherings where the Spirit can move, where we eat together, we fellowship together, we practice the disciplines together. Just being present together, allowing God to do what God wants to do the way He wants to do it when He wants to do it. You see, I I think the church needs to be a place of practice. Here's your three Ps. If you take anything away, here we go. The church needs to be a place of practice, of presence, and of power. Practice, presence, and power. When that's happening, you won't be able to keep the doors on whatever location you're in. Because God will do what God's going to do when he wants to do it. So, I had an interesting week this week. Um, Some of you know, some of you may not know, I work for Walker Manufacturing up in Fort Collins, Colorado. That's my tent maker job. Um, I have the privilege of um, traveling and meeting people, I've been many places around the world, and and uh, this past week, um, we had what we called a distributor summit in a in this huge town in southern Indiana called French Lick. I would asked the lady that was driving the bus there, the little uh, tour bus from the hotel where we were staying and having the meetings back out to the airport where we flew in and out of. Why do they call it French lick? She goes, well, I've lived here all my life. I'm not sure. I do know that it has something to do with we have mineral spirit springs here, and the deer would come and lick the rocks and that kind of stuff for the salt and those kinds of things. Where the French part came from, your guess is as good as mine. But you'll have to really zoom in on your Google map if you want to find French Lick in southern Indiana because it's just really a small place. It was a neat place. We had a really good time. But we brought our distributors there. There were 14 of us there. And, you know, it was a business meeting. We played a little bit, we shot some skeet, we played some golf but we also spent some time just strategizing about business and those kinds of things. I had the opportunity then to pray. Pray for those businessmen. Pray for their families. Pray for their businesses. Pray for their opportunities. And God was there. He shows up in the most unlikely places. He comes, and I think, I think it's because we made a place for him. We made a place for him. What's encouraging about all of this this morning, as I kind of wrap this together, is I believe, without a shadow of a doubt, the church is alive. I believe the church still has a glorious future. You know why? because God's still alive. He's still in control. And it's His church. We're His. You know what? The world can do whatever they think they can do to us. And they can shut us down. And they can move us, kind of marginalize us, whatever that is. But God is still in control. It's still His church. We're still His people. We might not be able to be church in the building, but we sure can be church somewhere else. We sure can allow Him to work and to do His thing. So I think the church's future is bright and hopeful. Maybe in some cases we need to reset, we need to rethink, we need to review, reevaluate what we do and how we do it. But it's still alive and well. And could it be that God is calling us and using this time? I'm not going to say He caused it. But it's here, and He doesn't let anything go to waste. He doesn't let anything fade out. He's going to use it somehow or some way to help us as we move forward. You know, we don't have all the answers. We just need to create places to allow God's presence and power to work in and through us. That's hope people we don't have to have all the answers we don't have to have it all figured out we just have to have ourselves available to be used in whatever situation whatever location whatever happens wherever we're at there we can have church because church is where God moves and that's where the power is and that's where his presence is and I don't know about you, but that's quite freeing when I think about it. Quite freeing. I don't have the pressure on it. I don't have to figure out how to fix it. Because I don't need to fix it. I just need to be available. I just need to be there. I just need to listen. I just need to do the things that we do when we come together. And when that happens, God will do what God's going to do. So I said in the beginning, I've been I, I've been going through some difficult days trying to figure out what is happening and going to happen with the church. I'm not worried. It's here, and it's going to be here, as long as God's people and His presence are at work and allowed to happen and to do what they need to do. Thanks for listening this morning. I don't know how much of that was a sermon and how much of that was just Me talking out where I've been, what I've been dealing with. And hopefully there was something in it for you. Hopefully there was something there that will encourage you in these days ahead as we move forward and as we move the kingdom forward. The kingdom needs to be moving forward, not backwards. And I think we can move forward if we think about it correctly. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the church. Thank you for this body of believers. And body of believers all over the world who have been gathering today. Thank you for your presence and your power that is at work in the world. Jesus promised us we'd never be orphans. He'd never leave us. He'd never forsake us. But he also, as he spoke to Peter there that day, said, This is my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. We're thankful that we serve a loving, living, powerful, awesome God this morning. May we be encouraged. May you fill us with your encouragement. And may we go out and be the church that you called us to be.